Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Letterst, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to be talking about chickenflation, the rise in demand for chicken, despite a rise in prices as well. Rob's also going to tell us all about the decades-old business of jazzercise, which I really know nothing about, but apparently business is absolutely booming right now. So we're going to hear all about that. But before we get to that, we're going to do a quick rundown of what's happening in business and tech. Let's get crack All right. So first things first, Amazon's carbon emissions jumped 18% in 2021, according to the company's annual sustainability report released yesterday. Despite the jump, though, the company's carbon intensity or its emissions per dollar of sales decreased 1.9%. So a lot more emissions, but also more efficiency. So I guess that's a move in the right direction. The company also announced yesterday that it's partnering with select physical stores like GNC, Superdry and Diesel and select cities to offer same day prime fulfillment and deliveries. So uh, I guess if you want your supplements delivered faster, expect some more emissions, right? Up next, Bolt Mobility, an e-bike startup co-founded by experienced technologist and business operator Usain Bolt, has seemingly seized operations in cities across the U.S., leaving e-bikes abandoned without explanation. This is unfortunate, but it's also one of these markets that I feel like, like, let's say, rapid delivery that has just terrible margins, hard to operate in scale, and just appears to be yet another example of a company just getting left in the dust, literally. I don't love making jokes about companies failing, but a really ironic example of this that I thought you might find funny was a 15-minute grocery delivery startup that had a micro warehouse on my block. It's called Fridge No More, raised millions of dollars. It closed earlier this year, which I just found funny because it means Fridge No More was literally no more. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea that Usain Bolt co-founded a company named Bolt Mobility. That's really pretty amazing. It is. It's cool when the athletes do stuff like this. It's unfortunate when they don't work out. Yeah, they uh, just left those cities in the dust, just like Usain Bolt does on the track. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Moving along, a lot of people wonder what the real world case is for NFTs. And I think yesterday I saw a really fantastic use case of this technology. So Tiffany & Co., the jewelry company, is launching a set of 250 NFTs priced at 30 Ethereum each, so about $50,000 each, available only to CryptoPunk holders, which is one of the preeminent classes of uh, NFTs. Oh, yeah. In which they will be crafting a piece of jewelry that resembles your CryptoPunk NFT, should you choose to buy one of these. Just an incredible use case of this technology, truly democratizing finance uh, (laughs) across the board. (laughs) And this was interesting. Yesterday, a really cool study on economic mobility was published in the journal Nature. Basically, Meta gave these researchers data on 21 billion Facebook friendships. And researchers were looking into why in neighborhoods where people have similar incomes, do some places enable much more income mobility than others? And what they found pretty definitively was that economic connectedness, basically how many wealthy peers or friends you have in your circle, 
makes a humongous difference in outcomes. So there can be places with poor people, but if they have more rich friends, their outcomes are actually typically much better. And the challenge is birds of a feather flock together on both ends. Poor people tend to make more friends in their own neighborhoods. Richer people tend to make more friends in their neighborhoods, places like college. So it is an interesting finding, but uh, the solution, I'm sure, will be a challenge. (laughs) And with that, I think it is time to discuss jazzercise. Rob, what the heck is jazzercise? Okay, JC, this is way before your time. I actually think jazzercise is kind of before my time. Oh, wow. I think of jazzercise peaking kind of in like the early 80s. I think of kind of like the flash dance, Jennifer Beals movie, and like Jane Fonda had these like workout Mm. tapes where she was wearing like these crazy spandex leotards and stuff. Like that's kind of what I think about when I think about jazzercise. But basically, it's the first pioneer of dance fitness. It was founded by this woman, Judy Shepard Missette, in a small classroom outside Chicago. So she's 78 now. It was founded in 1969. So she's been in the game for a minute. (laughs) She's expanded Jazzercise from one class in a small classroom to 8,000 franchisees teaching 32,000 classes a week. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that business has gotten really serious. So they pulled in $73 million in revenue in 2021, which is- Nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money for a fitness company. Judy has a bunch of reasons why she thinks that they've been able to stay relevant over all this time and kind of go through all of these different fitness fads and workouts and diets and remain relevant. Because as you can imagine, like it's really hard to stay relevant in fitness with the way that people kind of like change their habits and and change what they're trying to do. Another thing every day. Yeah, exactly. Their product today is much closer to kind of other types of fitness classes than you might expect. They combined high-intensity interval training, or HIT, as you might know the acronym, mm-hmm. with contemporary music. So it's not like they're in there just blasting 80s radio and <laughs> yeah. kind of dressing up in spandex, which is funny because nostalgia is so big right now. You would kind of think they'd actually get a benefit from leaning into that. But they've been very willing to kind of move beyond that and really kind of reflect the modern tastes in exercise and music and all that good stuff. The other thing is they listened to their customers and they were actually early on on demand or kind of streaming fitness. They launched Jazzercise on demand for at home streaming in 2019 Mm. after a bunch of their customers told them that that's what they wanted. Pre-COVID. Exactly. So pre-COVID, at the beginning of COVID, they had 4,000 subscribers to this. During COVID, it popped up to 66,000. So it went nuts during COVID. Now I think they have 22,000 subscribers to their on demand offering. But it says a little bit about their subscriber base, they have a lot of working parents who are at home and wanted that at-home option. And they're very willing to listen to their customers there. The other thing they do that's really cool, they offer the right incentives to their teachers. So if you go to the gym, if you're going to like 24-hour fitness or Planet Fitness or whatever, like you're not expecting to work with somebody who's like a real company man or woman, right? They're not like walking around (laughs) preaching the Planet Fitness gospel. The Jazzercise teachers get franchise equity. So Jazzercise offers them equity in their own franchise. So uh, what's the future look like for this kind of company? That's a really good question. I think the future is probably going to look a lot like the past, though a lot more crowded, a lot more competition. Because Jazzercise has been successful, they've created a lot of competitors in the dance fitness space. So there's Zumba, which has gotten super, super popular. There's dance yoga, dance Pilates, dance bar, like whatever you want to think of, there's a dance variation to it. Yeah. But ultimately, Judy Shepard-Missette, 
isn't really worried about any of that. She's in her seventh decade in the fitness game, which is so crazy. Yeah. And when asked about how Jazzercise would kind of continue to thrive or continue to grow, she basically said, we're survivalists. So she knows that mm. they can just make it by sticking to their guns and doing what they've been doing all along. That's very cool. Learn something new. Okay, so enough about spandex and neon leotards, JC. What have you been getting into? What I'm looking at is the price of chicken. Yes. And the demand of chicken. So Americans in the second quarter of 2022 spent $2.4 billion buying 678 million breaded chicken sandwiches. That is insane. It is insane. It's 20 million more than in the first quarter. And I all I could think about was the cumulative heartburn <laughs> that, <laughs> that was created by that. So much honey mustard. So much honey mustard. But basically chicken is in insane demand right now, partially due to inflation. During inflationary times, a lot of times chicken grows in demand because beef normally comes just out of range. Totally. For a lot of people's pocketbooks. Chicken's a cheaper meat. Yeah, yeah, that's one reason. And the brands are taking advantage of that as they should. KFC, Wendy's, and Burger King have all dropped tens of millions of dollars on chicken sandwich TV ads already in 2022. Chicken companies across the board are doing well. Pilgrim's Pride, which is the second largest poultry producer by volume, its shares are up 40% in the last year or so. A bright spot in a market, yeah. Yeah, a bright spot. Invest in the chicken producers. And this is all happening as prices are going up. So across the board, fast food spots upped their breaded chicken sandwich prices by 5% year over year in June on average. Popeye's, for example, increased the price of its chicken sandwich this year from $3.99 to $4.49, which Whoa. I thought was significant, mostly because of just the change in the first digit, right? The three to four, that's a big thing, even if it's just 50 cents or so. Oh, yeah. But to be honest, one of the best things I saw about this was a chicken sandwich advertisement from Bojangles in April. They offered a $10 gas card to anyone who bought a chicken family meal. Genius. Genius. And a, a million dollars worth of cards were handed out. So that's hundred thousand chicken family meals. Love that Bojangles. Have you ever been to Bojangles? You got to be in a certain part of the country, I think, to hit Bojangles. I've never really been to any fast food joint because none of them are kosher. I keep kosher. Yeah. Never wow. had McDonald's, never had Burger King, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Once you taste fast food and you start to get a taste for it, you kind of like get cravings for it and stuff. That's the I whole can point. imagine. And you just were able to avoid all of that, dude. <laughs> yeah. My college years are jealous of you because <laughs> I went way too far down that road. Yeah. Oh, well. Listen, you could keep kosher if you want. Yeah, that is true. That is true. There's nothing holding me back from that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bada bing, bada boom. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Litters. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not signed up, you can go get yourself subscribed at thehustle.co and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.